it's a matter of being patient, of putting opportunities out there, taking these opportunities to contribute, perhaps even creating an opportunity that wasn't even there. Welcome to Architecting. I'm your host, Angela Mazzi. You made it. This is the landing pad for raw honesty about connecting your career with your purpose. I'm going to give you the tools you need to be an unapologetic advocate for yourself and others, because if you're here, you believe that the space we surround ourselves in matters and you're committed to project by project building a better world for all of us. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Hey, Bright Lights, it's Angela, and I am so excited today to have my friend Sarah Francescuti with me on the podcast. Hey, Sarah. Uh, so great to be here, Angela. I'm super excited to be on your podcast. I know you just turned one officially this year, just recently, and it's been so cool to to watch you grow this podcast from zero now to where you are today. And now to be featured here as well is such an honor. So thanks for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. The audience is in for such a treat. So Sarah is an executive leadership coach. She owns Exhale and Thrive Coaching, but she also has over 20 years of experience in the trenches working as a leader within large organizations. And I cannot wait to pick your brain here today, Sarah. Um, Leadership is just such a buzzword these days. There's a million leadership programs. The Chamber of Commerce has one. The AIA has one. There's so many out there. So if somebody is looking to cultivate leadership skills, what should they be looking for in a coach or program? Oh, I think that's a that's a great question. And I think it's really important in knowing your personal brand or the type of person you want to be as a leader. So I like actually thinking of it as a brand. So who are you as a leader? What kind of impact do you want to create? What your values are? And then finding a coach or a course that's going to support that because there's very different types of leadership out there and some may resonate and some won't. So getting that clarity, which a coach or, or a course could also help you create, <laughs> but to be able to get that clarity and then get support in being more intentional, I think is so important. Yeah. You know, it's a term that it feels like people play fast and loose with, Um, not unlike greenwashing in the sustainable building world where everybody wants to slap it as a label on things. I was wondering if you see a distinction among mentoring, managing, and leading, and if you could share your thoughts on that. Absolutely. So there's, I'm sure some great textbook definitions. I don't have those in front of me, but my personal opinion and what I've heard over the years is that managing is very much around the details and the processes and everything, but it's not necessarily as much of a a human focused perspective, kind of almost what I think of it as sort of like the brain logic process piece. Whereas mentorship, I see more as you are working with somebody, if you're in a mentorship role, that mentor has more skills or experience in a certain area. So maybe perhaps you have someone that's a leader in the architecting field like yourself, Angela. And so then they could then get benefits from learning from somebody who's further along like yourself and helping them with the career progression, which I know you do, that type of thing. So it's a little bit more of a sharing 
how things went and how you can do them well. And then leadership I see is something that anyone can do regardless of title, regardless of your age, regardless of your position in an organization. And I fully believe that everyone can be a leader and it's all around the mindset and how we show up and whether we choose to inspire others, whether we choose to have a positive influence in a conversation, you can be a leader just in, in a conversation with someone and how you gently can lead and guide, guide conversations, let alone projects and tasks and outcomes. Oh, I love that you said that because I very much like to focus on the term as the verb that it is. You're taking Mm. somebody somewhere that they are not right now. Absolutely. Exactly. And, and I came across a great book, if anybody's read it before by Robin Sharma and his the book's called The Leader Who Has No Title, expands on what I just described that regardless of where you are, how you show up can make a huge difference. So if you're in a bad mood, if you are upset or stressed out or frustrated about something, you can unfortunately have a negative ripple effect in the people that you come into contact with and you can be a leader in the wrong way. So being, being aware of that and being intentional, like you were saying about how do you know what's a good fit by knowing what's important to you and how you want to show up, then you can be a positive leader and leave a positive effect. So it means you have to have an intention and maybe even a bit of a vision, even if you are an entry level person in order to say, we're at point A, but I think we could get to point B. Absolutely. Yeah. Years ago, I took a a course on leadership without authority was the title of the course. And it was back when I was in an admin assistant. The whole point was how do you inspire transformation or get people to follow you to do a project if you don't have that authority? You know, it's, it's hard, even if you do have the title to necessarily get people to be motivated sometimes, but the whole concept behind that course was to say, if you can hold this vision as a person. So imagine they use an example of creating a workout gym in your office space. If you could help people see the value of having this workout space, then people would rally with you and help you create it. Mm, Yeah. And I think that's such a great point because in an architecture firm, there's kind of two tracks that happen. One is a project-based role. So if you are the project manager, say you are in charge of the project or the principal in charge or the client leader, and then there's a number of other roles. Some of them actually may have the title of senior designer or something like that. Mm -hmm. But then there are your role in the firm. So are you an associate? Are you an associate principal? Are you a principal or a partner? And the two things don't always sync up. So you can absolutely end up in a situation where you might be the partner in the firm, but your role on the project may not be perceived by other team members as a leadership role because perhaps you are doing what I do, medical planning. And in that case, it almost seems a little bit of a disconnect between your authority on the project and your role in the firm. Um, Have you seen Mm -hmm. that in other kinds of organizational structures? And what do you recommend in those situations to have the appropriate amount of authority without disrespecting the other roles on a project. 
Mm, that's a, a really good question. And I don't have a, an example exactly like that, about the roles being different. But what has resonated for me many years, I, I started my first leadership role officially when I was 19 as, as a manager of a shoe store, uh, assistant manager of a shoe store, and then have been leaders ever since. And what I found was challenging then is I was brought into this management position when as a new person, whereas the there were ladies in that office that were not promoted. And I was, and they were maybe 10, 20 years older than me. And so I found that age for me was, was that barrier or was that challenge? Well, it wasn't necessarily exactly the scenario you're describing. Uh, what I found has happened with that. And I've continuously found myself in leadership roles where my age may not meet my peers. <laughs> so even in my board right now, uh, most of them are retired already, and I'm still kind of mid career. Uh, what I found with that is it's really around being really authentic in your leadership expression of who you are as a leader, genuinely helping showing showing your value and doing a good job. But also, if you're trying to inspire action. What I find really works for me is kind of that concept of both for me, my kind of brand is a mixture of a visionary. So to say, look at this amazing place we're going, look at this project we could be doing, see the value, but also a servant leadership piece where I help inspire others to bring them their best out. So for me, that's, that's the, how I tend to work best as well as sort of this collaborative piece. We're all working together. Let's go this way together. And so that really, I found helps overcome those types of barriers like the age one for me. I think it's an excellent lead in. At what point should you expect recognition for what you are contributing? You mentioned you can lead at any level and certainly a lot of people are doing that. They're bringing excitement, they're bringing expertise, they're bringing a fresh perspective, maybe a skill set others on their team may not have, but what happens if you feel like you're not being seen or valued or getting the promotions that maybe you think you ought to? How do you have those conversations and how do you know if you're having the impact that you think you are, but other people are not recognizing? Okay. That's a huge question. <laughs> a huge question. So I think part of it is uh, mastering wherever you're at, whatever level you're at. And the whole concept, you've probably heard of this before, the whole dressing for the level that you want or the position that you want. I believe very much in behaving and acting for the position that you want. So if you want to be a partner, if you want to be an executive, uh, you probably don't show up late to meetings. You probably don't badmouth your colleagues or that kind of thing, like that type of behavior. Uh, but if you're already doing that and still not feeling like the progression is happening, then I think it's a matter of being patient, of putting opportunities out there, taking these opportunities to contribute, perhaps even creating an opportunity that wasn't even there. So for example, I've created a communities of practice before, uh, various kind of different sort of activities or um, tools for things to be used within my work that ended up being used as an examples across the country. I personally, for me, a part of my brand also is excellence. So having that continuous excellence where you show up as a superstar and everything you do, people can't help but notice. That would be my, my secret. I get often asked that the career progression piece and, and um, that's my personal secret is doing more than your share, doing well at it and being positive and supportive along the way. Yeah. I love, I love that you're talking about taking the initiative because I think a mm -hmm. lot of times people early in their career get in this mode where 
They expect anyone higher up than them to mentor them in some capacity and almost to read the tea leaves of where their career path should be and be channeling them along those ways. And that can happen. But it's also a very passive way to look at your career. And leaders are not passive by definition. Mm, absolutely. And, and I think it's, I look at it as reverse engineering. So to, to have an idea of where you want to go, and it may not need to be clear, maybe 10 years from now, you want to be doing something. And so by looking at what people are doing that are already there, what they act like, the education level that you might need, those types of things, and you can plan backwards. Another message that I have to share around all of this is it may seem like it feels like it's taking forever, but in hindsight, uh, it actually didn't take that long. You know, once actually something is actually transformed in your career, you've got that promotion or, you know, you've got that experience. Years ago, one of the, the early coaches conversations I had with a colleague of mine, she wanted to be a French teacher and she wanted to be a French teacher and nothing was happening. And, and she was working within the government and uh, I encouraged her to apply for all these different opportunities. She ended up taking some more training and then she ended up getting about two years later, which felt like a long time in the moment, two years later, she got asked to be the teacher for the Admiral here on the, the base here on the West coast, like the personal teacher for this person and had all these other opportunities. And then finally you also had this um, opportunity to step into this role that she was now going to be a full-time teacher. Um, French teacher was what she had wanted for so long. And in the moment when we were originally talking about it, she felt like that was never going to happen. Um, but now in hindsight, she had more opportunities than she even was able to take on. And she actually turned some of these things down. So part of it is being patient and trusting that uh, the right thing will come along at the right time. Yeah, we, we often overlook the timing thing and we think we want it all now. But I love that you brought up this idea of being ready and having the capacity Mm, to absolutely. really fully embrace the opportunities because so often... I do know people who took on very high up leadership roles, very young, but because they hadn't worked with people and run into the obstacles or had the opportunity to listen to the backroom chatter, they didn't know how to have the empathy for the people they were leading because they okay. Yes. And that, and that comes with time, right. And, and learning as does any kind of wisdom and expertise. And so as much as we all want to be hyper promoted fast and quick, there is value definitely in the time that it takes. And um, I think it's easy to, to skip that, like you're saying. Yeah. And you don't build that strong foundation or build up that diversity of viewpoint and it can make you a kind of myopic. And, and this is where like, I, I hesitate to use the term leader just because you have a certain role where you were doesn't mean you know how to lead people. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. They, they're uh, like the technical expertise is very different than the people expertise. And uh, I think depending on how people's career progression goes, you know, sometimes people can be technical, technical, and then all of a sudden be leading people and kind of like, whoa, <laughs> how do you manage this? And, and it's, it's definitely a different uh, skill set than, you know, having your head down doing your own kind of tasks. Well, and I notice it a lot in creative professions. Someone can be really, really skilled at what they do, a creative genius, a leader in their field in terms of 
thought leadership, but mm -hmm. they do not know how to work with people. They do not know how to run a business. They do not have a lot of skills, but they end up owning their own company, not even knowing what they don't know. And, and that that's often something that if you work in a creative profession, you may start to notice about those who run the company that employs you is that they are in charge, but that doesn't necessarily mean they know how to lead. So what advice would you give if you're in a situation like that? I mean, you, you can't exactly go up to your boss and say, you couldn't lead your way out of a paper bag. <laughs> but <you know. laughs> Well, it comes what? down to leadership ourselves. So leading isn't necessarily only top down. I believe in leading up and, and sideways as well. And, and just our presence can be influential, but leading and managing up, there's actually a book called managing up and it's all around understanding the type of person your manager is, your leader is whatever their title and how to work with them, how to support them, but also how to influence them so that they will do things that you need them to do. So you can get your job done. And I found that really uh, empowering instead of feeling like you're almost kind of at the mercy is not the right word, but if you're kind of not sure how to have a positive, uh, really productive relationship with your manager, that can be really difficult. So when you are empowered to act in ways that will not only support them, but also have them support you can be really uh, massively transformational in, in the impacts that you can have, and how your team works too, as you can imagine. Yeah, because you can't overlook the role that stress plays in behavior and somebody mm. stressed out isn't in the most equanimity <laughs> in terms Absolutely. of how they're handling situations. Yeah. And so bringing up stress is that's a that's a specialty of mine is managing stress in that whole personal development piece. I believe that we need to take care of our own personal development, mastery and self-awareness because how we are personally is going to impact how we behave with others. And, and just because somebody's in a management or leadership role doesn't mean that their personal development is that necessarily at a certain level. And so being understanding of when somebody's in a stress kind of mode, I think can make it easier for us to be compassionate and patient. But at the same time, if people are inappropriate in their behavior, regardless of whether it's a workplace or not, that's not cool. So, you know, you need to know what's appropriate for you and what's a healthy relationship and what isn't and, and how to manage that appropriately. Do you have an example maybe you'd like to share about how to have those healthy boundaries and maybe also support your, your manager or your leader in a way that's going to work out for you? Mm -hmm. Well, I've actually been working with an organization lately, and they are working with other coaches as well. And they're going through this process where they're actually talking about how to work with each other. And so to actually make it explicit to say, so if Angela, you and I were on a team, we would actually talk about, I would say, you know, what my strengths are and how I like to work. And you would maybe share yours as well. And we would be able to come together as a team to see, you know, what would work best. So uh, for me, my strengths, I actually like the Clifton strengths, strengths assessment approach to really kind of look at, see what your strengths are. And then if I was to know yours, then we would be able to maybe delegate or change trade jobs. If there was something that was going to work better to your strengths than mine, for example, um, and really kind of figure out how to work together. So I think that would be my best recommendation is having a dialogue between yourself and your manager or that person. If they're not open to that, then that makes it harder. <laughs> so 
the other piece I guess I would recommend is anticipating their needs. So if you've been in the job long enough that you sort of know your role and you know the man your manager's role or whatever title you want to call them, understanding what they need and then anticipating it, then you can be really a great resource in providing them, I don't know, say they have a monthly meeting and you know they need a report at the same time every month. Instead of waiting until they ask you for it, you could actually have it ready to go. And then the next time around, maybe you have been looking at, there's a way maybe you can put a little bit of extra information on that report. So it's going to be even more helpful to them. And bringing that's when I think you bring your genius in, you know, that thought leadership piece. And then you can then be more of an asset to, to that position than you were otherwise. So it's all really around being empowered and self-aware, really, if I was to boil it all down. You know, you touch on this idea of the lopsided skills. So mm. as we cultivate leadership ability, it's not this even progression, but it's actually a series of skills, aptitudes, abilities, and some are going to come more naturally to an individual person than to someone else. And, you know, you talked about how to work together by matching the gaps and, and sort mm-hmm. of filling in for one another. But if, if someone were to recognize their strengths and weaknesses as a leader and then come to you and say, how, what should I work on? You know, would, would you want them to grow the strengths or fill in the gaps or some combination? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fabulous question. And I fully believe in building on positives and, and instead of looking at where we're failing or where we need to, you know, improve, uh, cause I think that that can almost be a downward spiral kind of thing. And it's not to avoid attending to things that need attention. If there's a gap in your skill set and you need, you know, say these five skills and you're missing one. That's very different than saying, you know, I'm a more of an emotional person. So I tend to be uh, a little more intuitive. I, I like the strategic side as well, but I'm not necessarily an analytical person that really dives into the details Whereas, say a colleague of mine might be very detail oriented and not as much of that relationship building side. So uh, depending on, you know, your personality, you're going to have different strengths two answers to that. One would be fill in the gaps of the the functional capabilities that you need. So getting that career development that you need in those areas, but I wouldn't necessarily waste your time on changing your personality traits, I guess. So more building on your expertise and your personality and let those be the benefits that you bring forward. So if there was myself in a meeting, I would have different perspectives and things that I would look at, say, in my board direct of director's role, I tend to ask more questions about the people management, because I know there are other people on around the table that are asking questions from the money management side, I still can do money, but I'm not going to worry about it, I'm going to let those guys to take care of that. And as long as I keep an eye on it, I know they are and we're good to go. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it can be a real sense of relief to be able to say, I don't have to be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. I, I This is what I bring. And it may not be for everyone. I may not be the leader for everyone. And that's okay. Well, and, it, and, and we need different types of perspectives. If we're imagining, you know, a room full of people around a meeting of some type or a project, if everybody was the same, they would be very strongly emphasized in one area. 
but we might be missing a whole part of the picture. So actually having that diversity of thought, uh, diversity of strengths, of perspectives is actually where all of the magic can kind of come in together. So understanding where your strengths are, maybe perhaps, you know, the offsets if they go a little bit too far, <laughs> you know, you know, if they swing too far the other way, being aware of that as well, uh, so that you can, you know, almost hone your craft in, in expressing yourself and your, your own perspectives in a way that'll be best value to everybody. So that said, appreciating diversity, appreciating that you don't have to be the magic panacea for everyone Is there a leadership skill that is universal that gets overlooked that you would tell anyone and everyone this is essential to cultivate? Uh, Absolutely. And uh, I believe very much that the mindset and the self-awareness and the personal development, you know, that's that internal piece gets overlooked. There's so many courses out there. Even when I did my MBA, they talked about leadership, but it was a lot about the external stuff, about how to change culture and how to plan strategies and do operations and all of those types of things. But I believe very much that we can't do that stuff if we're stressed out, if our resilience is low, um, if our personal development is struggling, um, then we can't lead the people on our teams. We're not as powerful if we're not the self-actualized state, really, I guess is the short answer of that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of step one. If someone is working with you is to kind of see where they are with that. Absolutely. And, and what I highly always recommend, you know, for me, even uh, as well, my one thing, if you've ever read the book, the one thing is my mindset. And when my mindset is off, then everything else is 10 times harder. So if I prioritize only one thing in my day, it's that mindset piece. And when I do that, everything else is easier. So yes, I work from the inside out because I believe that inner leadership piece is the foundation before we can then take that leadership to our teams and to our organizations and ultimately to the whole planet, you know, how we show up the impacts are, um, of our organization, our mission of whatever that is and how it will change the world. Oh, I love that you said that because I talk so much on this podcast about authenticity and following your path and what you said just, you know, perfectly ties into all of that, that you have to know what you want to do. You have to be your best self. And from there you can, spread outward and emanate that and inspire others and lead others, but it's an inside job for it is. Yeah. And, and I think that authenticity is becoming more and more normal in work world. I think the pandemic kind of almost forced that on ourselves where we're actually taking video calls while our dogs are barking in the background or from people's kitchens and, and that kind of thing, I think has made it easier to be more authentic Uh, Maybe not for everybody, uh, but I think that that has been an uncomfortable change for some, but I I think it's what we've needed. In the past, I used to wear a suit to work every day because that was, I was dressing for the position I was going to get. And uh, it was very important to me. um, But part of that also came with a, a polished kind of veneer. And what I was got feedback on was, you know, hey, Sarah, I think we relax a little bit. Oh, trust us a little bit. And it took me a while to do that. But I believe that that authenticity is where that trueness can come in. You know, like you've said in your 
podcast, the whole raw honesty piece is, I think, an, an asset that you bring, Angela, to this whole online world of leadership and career and the architecting space. That's where we can have some great conversations and actually connect as humans instead of like these little shells of each other. And that's where I think in leadership can truly come in. Yeah, it, it, it's so critically important. Now, I know a lot of people in our audience are working moms and you are a working mom. Any advice or insight you would give related to feeling comfortable stepping into leadership while also juggling the family? Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I think we can be all of these different roles, but it's around prioritizing what's important. So for me, my family time and my me time, my relationship with myself, they're crucial and critical to my well-being. I protect the meal times with family, for example. So I work full time. I also have my coaching business. I'm also a, a, on a board of directors. So I have a variety of things going on in my day, but the, the family time is really important. And so whatever that's going to be for you as a working mom, perhaps you have different hours maybe, or right now I'm doing a lot of my coaching activities on the weekends during nap time windows. So looking at where there are spaces, and I know you talk a lot about this, Angela, in your book, The Time Builder. If you haven't read it yet, it's awesome. Uh, I wanted to actually let you know, I gave it to some of my clients and girlfriends and they've loved it. And they're so now they're going, they've read through it all. And now they're highlighting, they're going slow time and highlighting and taking notes. So I thought you'd love to hear that. Yeah. So it's all, I would say it's around prioritization. Check out Angela's book for a lot more tips on all of that. Um, but really around knowing that you don't have to give something all day to be able to make an impact, even just an hour or even five minutes as now as a new mom, I, I know that the five minutes of quiet and focus, you can still get something done. Yes, yes. So thank you for um, sharing your thoughts about the book. And I'm glad it's having an impact. But I think that is so true. It's not that you do less, it's that you are more targeted in what you do, why you're doing it. And you have the confidence to trust yourself rather than second guess yourself. So I really appreciate um, you sharing those insights as well. I think, especially as women, but men need this too. We really need the support of one another to say, you can do it. Don't turn mm -hmm. down opportunities and possibilities. Don't hide behind busyness, ask, how can I? And be absolutely exactly. And there's no reason why we can't take on more uh, progression in our, our work roles. Even if we have a family there, there's no reason why we can't. I think in society now that that's going to be even more and more supported. And I fully believe that healthy balance of work and life, that healthy environment where both can thrive is, is possible and actually mandatory. That's why I, I, your book I, resonates with me so much because I think that's how we need to act and live and lead and work is we, we shouldn't be doing a job at the expense of our personal life or, or taking a promotion at the expense of our, our health or our family. I think we can have all of it and have it in a thriving state where we are contributing our passions. We have the time for our self-care and our families and all of the areas are getting what they need. So we can be a well-rounded human and contribute as best we can. I know you are very committed to helping others to grow and to put as much content out there as you can to help them 
you've got a leadership summit coming up in February. Would you like to share more about that? Absolutely. So this is going to be my second leadership summit. I ran one last year and uh, this year the title is called the Sweet Spot Global Leadership Summit. And I'm honored to have you, Angela, coming back for a year two. It's going to be great. Angela is actually presenting on a title called There Is No Later. And that was just such an inspiring presentation. And I'm sure that you're all going to love it. So you can come check it out. Along with Angela, we have 22 other speakers presenting from all over the globe. I'm from Canada. So we have speakers from Canada, the US, Netherlands, Trinidad, North Macedonia, England, Costa Rica, and others. And, and it's just really exciting to have all of these speakers come together where we're going to have genuine conversations around how leaders can really transform themselves, like we've talked today, from that inner peace to having thriving organizations so that they can have a powerfully positive global impact. Yeah, I can't wait. Thank you so much for including me. It is a real honor to be part of this. Last year, I know you helped so many people really see what was possible for them. And I I saw members of the audience during Q&A go from feeling like victims to feeling empowered. So I think Mm -hmm. it is so important that you are putting this resource and it is free out there for people to consume, to take what they need from it, to learn, and most of all, to be in community with one another. That's an often overlooked aspect of leading and being at your fullest potential is that you don't do it alone. We support one another. Yeah. And I think it can feel isolating sometimes if you are struggling with things and, and in a leadership role or not, you know, but not wanting to necessarily talk about it. And, and so we have lots of great speakers that are going to talk about different things like the inner mindset pieces, as well as folks talking about systems and kind of organization development, lots of great ranges, depending on where you are on your journey with leadership and what you need. And the idea behind the summit is that it's like a buffet. So there's going to be a bunch of content, um, but you don't have to listen to all of it. It's there for you to pick and choose what, what resonates with you. And like you said, Angela, that community piece and the kind of getting together, even though we're not necessarily all together in person, the virtual piece was still really powerful. And I really enjoyed that, especially in February where the weather is still kind of gray and, you know, cold. It was really great to get together and, and share with everyone. Yeah. And you create this amazing safe space to be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. to ask the hard questions, to really learn, not just pretend like you got it all covered. So if this sounds good and it should to everyone, how can people sign up for this? Yeah. So I'll give you the actual link, um, Angela, so you can share it in the show notes, but it's going to be at my website, exhaleandthrive.com forward slash sweet spot summit. And you can sign up there for free and you'll get all of the information to your inbox. And you can also join our Facebook summit community. So you can have that actual interaction within the Facebook group with everybody else attending. Definitely do it. I mean, you got no reason not to, did I say it was free? So, you know, (laughs) you have absolutely nothing to lose and so much to gain. So definitely sign up for this. Is that also the best place for people to find out more about you, Sarah? Yeah, my website, exhaleandthrive.com would be the best place to check 
things out. I've also got an Instagram account and uh, Facebook group and web page as well. So I can share all those links if anybody has a specific preference. I do have a little bit on Pinterest as well, but I haven't been there much. So variety of different places. Yeah, no, that's great. So um, thank you again, Sarah, for being on this show. It's been a pleasure to have you. This has been such a great conversation. Everyone, if you enjoyed this content, go ahead and leave a post on Instagram, tag Architecting Podcast, tag Sarah. She would love to hear uh, what you took away from this conversation and how it was helpful to you. So make sure you do that. Sarah French Scooty. Yep. That's it. No, nothing else. And yes. So at Sarah French Scooty, which is a big, long name. So I will provide the, uh, the link to you to share. And Angela, it's been such a, a pleasure to sit and chat with you about leadership. We have got some great questions and some things that are, are common challenges or questions for people. So I'm really glad that you brought things up that you did today. It was great to share and, and an honor to be here in the architecting podcast world with you. So thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always great to hang out. Take care. you for listening. You made it all the way to the end of the episode, which means you are committed to making yourself a priority so you can be empowered to do the work you were called to do in the world. How amazing is that? If you would like even more content just like this, please remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate it if you left an honest review too. Hey, I want you to know I'm here for you beyond the boundaries of this podcast. You can follow me on social media at Architecting Podcast or visit architectingpodcast.com to download some great free resources. Take care, everyone, and stay inspired. (laughs) 